The Long Box Crusade presents monthly Monday movie muckabout because podcasting world really needs another movie review show. I am Rick, also known as Not Jeff from Jeff and Rick Presents, and I am a movie lover. I have a very extensive collection of movies, and I am often surprised when I run into someone who has not seen a movie that I call a classic or great. Now to rectify this, I sit down with a person, make them watch a movie, grill them about their thoughts and impressions, and see what happens, because why not? This time, I am extremely excited because I am reaching out way farther than I've ever reached with my internet cable before, and I have got a hold of somebody all the way from New Zealand. And this is Waffles. Waffles! So I am Waffles, otherwise known as Not Mario, from Waffles and Mario Talk About Things, <laughs> an improvised podcast um, that we do out of my spare study here in a little old uh, Christchurch, New Zealand. So it's, it's a pleasure to be on the show. It's absolutely phenomenal. Thank you for reaching out. Well, you are one of our big fans on my other show, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, and I, I have always enjoyed our comments back and forth. When I found out you did have your own show, I started listening to that, so I hear it come out, and it's it's a wacky little show, I am <laughs> yes. not going to lie. No. <laughs> it is a wacky little improv show, but it is really, it, it was fun to hear your voice, to hear the voice of another fan doing his own show, and then kind of becoming a fan of your show, too. Oh, so this is you. kind of just a neat experience that we get to actually talk and meet and do something together on something that's not on either of the shows that we met on. So. No. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad to help anywhere I can. I'm glad that you did this, and we'll just jump right into the movie aspect of this, mm. and I'm going to give you the movie that I want you to see, and that would be Knives Out. Ah, yes. And this is a 2019 movie, just came out last year, a film by Ryan Johnson, and it stars... Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna Diamas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, and a few other amazing people. This is right on my collection. As soon as it was available, yeah. I had to get myself the Blu-ray of this one because I enjoy this movie a lot. Very nice. But we're not here to talk about what I think about it. We're here to talk about what you know about it. So ah. what have you heard about this movie? Chris Evans wears a sweater in it. <laughs> <laughs> This is true. <laughs> yes. Uh, Daniel Craig apparently is doing some sort of accent. Uh-huh. And it's a non-conventional murder mystery plot twist in the style of sort of an Agatha Christie or so, but with twists. I'm not quite sure why I haven't seen it. I just haven't got round to it. Well, that, that brings that brings us right into the second question is, is you know, why haven't you seen it? Or do you know? Like Mario, my co-host, he's seen it. He loves it. He he thinks it's great. He's tried to pressure me into watching it. I, I find it's a, I probably it's just a time constraint thing. I just finished a semester of study, and so that's taken a lot of my time writing essays and doing assignments and things like that. Now I've got about a month break before my second semester, and be trying to catch up on all the pop culture and stuff that I've missed. Uh, and unfortunately, this just has for some reason flown under my radar. And so it's a movie that I've wanted to watch and so when you reached out and asked me to sort of give you a whole bunch of movies I hadn't seen it was on the list it was like oh that would be a real good excuse to actually sit down and give myself the the excuse to have the time to actually watch it and I've tried to to not have it spoiled for me I've, I've tried to sort of avoid spoilers on it as much as possible but it's just it's been on my to watch list and just just it's purely time purely a time restraint thing 
Well, I'm glad that you said all that because this is a movie that it is better that you don't have any spoilers. And I think that what mm. you do know about the movie, your punchline that you said, is pretty much the same punchline I've given everybody else about this movie. It is a non-conventional murder mystery, drawing room study type of a thing. And I don't want to give anything else away because it is, it's good and it's better to go in just as blind as you possibly can. You know about all that you need to know. I know that my wife and I went and saw this in the theater and she asked me what it's about. I was like, eh, it's a murder mystery. I heard it's really good. I got to go see it. And we came out of the theater laughing. So I am very interested to see what you think about the movie. And I'm not going to talk anymore now. I think we're going to let you go. We're going to play an advertisement about the movie. And then we're going to come back here and we're going to talk about what you think of it. So I will see you on the other side of the commercial. Ciao. All right. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> And started out with a rusty Smith Corona and built himself into one of the best-selling mystery writers of all time. 30 languages, over 80 million copies sold. You guys fans? I mean, I don't do much fiction reading myself. Big but... fan. I'm a big fan. Who is that guy? Uh, Mr. Blanc is a private investigator of great renown. I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. You're famous. The night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. And your son, Ransom, did he attend as well? Yes, but he left early. I think Linda was upset. Walt would get a little Irish courage in him. He'd get into it with Harlan. What? Richard said what? Are you baiting me, detective? Attempting to be thorough so we can figure out the manner of death. You mean if someone killed him? You think one of us, one of his family, Walt, Walt. killed him? Mr. Blanc, I just buried my father who committed suicide. Why are you here? I suspect foul play. I have eliminated no suspects. Harlem was cleaning house. Everyone in the family has possible motives. Was Harlan planning on cutting off Joni? Did he plan to fire Walter? Is Richard having an affair? That's some heavy-duty conjecture. Funny, Ransom, you skipped the funeral, but you're early for the will reading. Up your ass. Very nice. Oh, Ransom. 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 I gotta do this more often. The family is truly desperate. When people get desperate, the knives come out. This is a twisted web. And we are not finished untangling it. Not yet. Keep waiting for the big reveal. All of them lied to me. There is one guilty party behind it all. You know something. Spill it. Oh my God. Tell me what happened to my grandfather. I think you have something you want to tell me. <laughs> And we are back. We have had a chance to sit up here in this wonderfully big, large, and ex expansive attic in the LBC headquarters. It is so big, it can actually reach from the United States all the way down to New Zealand. It's really amazing. Anyways, we have spent some time up here with Waffles watching our feature presentation of Knives Out. For those of you that haven't seen the film, let me give you a very brief overview. 
wealthy crime novelist Harlan Thromby invites his family to his Massachusetts mansion for his 85th birthday party. The next morning, Harlan's housekeeper Fran finds him dead, with his throat slit. The police believe it was suicide, but an anonymous party pays private eye Benoit Blanc to investigate. Now... That is the top level of this movie. This is the newest movie we have been reviewing. So we're going to warn you right now that we are going to spoil the heck out of this film. And I highly recommend that if you haven't seen it, just stop listening right now and go and watch the film. Then then come back. Okay? Uh, okay? All right, here we go. We find out early on that Marta, the sweet, innocent, and incapable of lying caregiver of Harlan's, is at fault for the old man's death. But... She has been sworn to not admit this by Harlan. As the movie unfolds, Benoit Blanc breaks the case and finds out that Captain America, I mean, I mean, I mean, Ransom was really at fault. All of this is surrounded by a family so horrible and so backstabbing that it defies description. They're all hunting for the Patriarch's money, and that is kind of what leaves everything on. That's the overall scope of the film. We're going to get into the nitty gritty. But before we do, what was your first impressions of this movie? You'd heard about it before. Did it meet up with the expectations you had? Oh, it blew me out of the water. I, I'd heard it was good, but I'm just going to say right now, this is up there in probably one of my top five favorite films of all time. Excellent. Excellent. Absolutely love it on every level. Just... The cinematography, the music, the acting, the direction, the storyline, the characters, the plot, everything was just far beyond anything I could have even imagined. So, yeah, initial impressions, it was pretty good. It was all right. <laughs> that, that makes me feel good. I, I came out of the film kind of the same way you did. I came out of the theater just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is great. I want to tell everybody, and I can't tell them anything about this film. <laughs> Oh, it is definitely a film that if it had been spoiled, it would have lost yeah. something. But even then, it's just a fantastic, amazing, well-constructed piece yes, of art. I, I definitely agree. Um, there are so many things I want to talk about this film, but I, I want to make sure that you yes. get the first chance to talk about them. So let's just move right into what are some of the highs? What are some of the things that really stood out for you for this film? The main thing for me was just the the intricacies of it all that there was nothing that was used in the final that wasn't previously mm -hmm. set up like yeah you've heard of Chekhov's gun watching this film I was thinking no there's so many Chekhov's <laughs> knives in in this that just all these little infinitesimally small details there's nothing on screen that isn't relevant there's nothing being presented to you the audience that doesn't pay off somewhere and it's all beautifully interwoven in this beautiful tapestry of amazing cinema like you, you know there's so many good quotes in this as as well just things that the characters say that then pay off the characterizations the arcs the pullbacks and reveals it's not just a film it's an experience of, of watching ryan johnson just unfold this this journey before you. I agree. I definitely agree. I think what you said about it being an experience, I think that's what it mm. is that really sells it for me too. Because as you're watching it, you quickly realize, okay, this is going to be a your standard issue parlor scene. In fact, they have an actual parlor <laughs> scene. <laughs> but at the same time, you're thinking, okay, this is a whodunit. You're about 10, 20 minutes in the film, and you're like, Pfft, 
I know who did it. It was the yeah. maid. And we see her mistake that accidentally, you know, kills Harlan. It's like, oh, we know who did it. What's the mystery? There is no mystery. Yeah. Why am I still here? But as the film keeps going on, you're, you start asking the other questions. Well, why am I here? What is happening? Yeah. What is the underlying thing? What, what, what else is, what other pieces need to be added to this? And you experience it as it goes on. You start to experience that unfolding of the story. The, the shoe drops here, the shoe drops there. Oh, I'm starting to put things together about what really happened. Yeah. And like you said, the Chekhov's gun theory is like, oh, there's a little thing here. Do you remember that little thing here? Oh, well, here's what it means over here. Oh. Oh, yeah. For me, it's really refreshing to go through these sort of parlor movie, the murder mystery things, but it's from Martha's <laughs> perspective. And so you feel, as the audience member, that you're in the position of, of the murderer, which is something I've never seen before in all the, the murder mysteries and everything. It's always from the detective's perspective. But there's a certain point in the film where it becomes Benoit Blanc, who Daniel Craig just acts his ass <laughs> off. And it's amazing. He's just so good. And he becomes the antagonist for a certain perspective of the film before then shifting to the protagonist at the end again. But it's this whole cat and mouse, but you're rooting for the murderer, who you know is a good person, who you know is probably the best person in, in a film full of yes. terrible characters. But she's the one who done it. She's, she's the killer. And it puts you as the audience in this kind of uncomfortable position where you've never been before. But it's it's exhilarating. And... So instead of trying to find the clues, you're trying to not find the clues. Like, oh, no, they found that out. Ah. And, and I think I think we should spend some time talking a little bit about Marta because. Oh, yeah. She is definitely the focal point of the entire film. She is she is the star mm -hmm. of the film. And yet she is yes. she is not the star of the film. She is not the, the standout performance. She is the the soft. She is the quiet. She is the audience stand in. She is she is oh, yeah, not totally. I, she is the best person in the film, and she is definitely not the most flashy at all. She is no the everyman of the film, but yet she is carrying oh, yeah. every single scene. So it's interesting yes. about how they've built up that character. And it's just beautiful seeing all the actors who are just at the oh, yeah. top of the game. Like, this is a stellar mm -hmm. cast, and everyone brings their A game. Like, nobody's phoning this in. Everybody is here to play, and yes. I love it. And seeing them all interact with each other and especially where you know you know the, the character of Marta is the probably most subtle the, the most the most sort of nuanced and then all these other big flashy characters around her it plays really well you don't feel overwhelmed with the sort of melodrama of, of it all that it can get up into because you have this really nice grounded character of Marta to keep you you know to keep you in in the scene to keep you grounded while all this other chaos and, and stuff is happening around you in terms of the detectives, in terms of the family, in terms of everything else. It's it's really well done to keep the audience going along with all this insanity yes. and craziness. I think it was a brilliant decision. Uh, I, I mean, the only weird part of Marta at all is uh, her predilection to uh, spew... <laughs> 
<laughs> whenever she lies. And, and, and you know exactly where it's going. And you know every time it's going to be used. Oh, yeah. It's going to be used for the comedy effect. And you know it's also going to be the pivotal part for solving whatever this is. And, and you know it's yeah. going to happen. But at the same time, it's like, there, there's something charming about it as well. It's like, it is so ridiculous. Yeah. But then you're like, that's the most ridiculous thing about her character. And yet, it is not the most ridiculous thing in this film. We have... All of no. the other characters who are ridiculous. And I think that we can start off that list by going right to Daniel Craig, who you're right. He is oh. phenomenal. But every time he's, he's on the scene, you're just like, what is that accent? <laughs> <laughs> oh. We have Foghorn Leghorn here. And I am for it all day long. <laughs> oh, what was it? Um, CSI KFC. CSI KFC. <laughs> yes. It, it is, it is <sighs> James Bond. Nope. 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 I mean, we have, we have at least two people in this film who are so well known for something else they have done recently. Yes. And they come in saying, you expecting that? You aren't going to see it at all. And no. Daniel Craig leads it off by coming out with this stellar performance and he is such in the shadow of being the the current modern James Bond, and yet he comes in with this character, CSI, <laughs> CSI <Yes>. KFC, <laughs> that it is just amazing. It is. And for me, like, I have a background in theater, and mm-hmm. so I'm quite versed in acting. It's always fun to, to be able to play a character that's completely different from anything you've played before. And, and you could... So for the thing, when I'm watching him on screen, you could see him having fun with it. Mm-hmm. You could see him actually enjoying his craft. You could see him actually enjoying being an actor, which for me was amazing because I don't want to watch somebody on film being miserable. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I want them to be having as much fun in the scene as I am. And you could see him just hamming it up and, and giving it his all and just having a wonderful time playing Benoit Blanc and... It's a fun role to play. Yes. And and you could see him having fun with it. And that, I think, was the best part about the whole thing. It's like, the, yes, the accent was ridiculous and nonsense and whatever. But so is, you know, when you look at someone like Poirot, mm-hmm. you, you know, like that's a over-exaggerated accent as well. And yet it works. And with Benoit Blanc, it just, it, it works. It, it's charming. It's delightful. It's humorous. And it's exactly what the film needed. How long in the film... Were you still trying to wait and see, is this guy really an amazing detective or is he an absolute fool? How, how, long, how long were you having that argument in your head? It, it went back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like from the first scene where he's interrogating the family, mm-hmm. like you think, oh, there's something here in this. And then there's that scene in the party where him and Mara... Uh, outside and comes out of the shadows and there's this whole almost noir style and mystique to him and you think oh there's something there and then you see him in sort of the second half and he's just like oh he's he's kind of bumbling this he's he's kind of you know he's he's kind of winging it and, yeah. and seeing where it goes but there's that beautiful scene probably my favorite scene in in, in the whole movie and it's something really un- understated but the scene where him and the nana are in, in the room together. Mm-hmm. And he's just sitting and he's the only one who acknowledges her as, as a person. Yeah. 
and that seems like oh he's got it he like that's when i knew like okay this is a good guy this is someone who who we can root for and he no matter what happens at the end we know as an audience that things are going to turn out good that we're not going to have the rug pulled out from under us that whatever happens this is a good guy who we can root for and so and yeah i think I, th- I think you got something there too because we've already stated that marta is the injured bird that we are yes. trying to care for throughout the entire film oh no she's the murderer but she seems like the the accidental murderer she's you know the illegal immigrant who is is going to get pulled from the country with her parent with her mother and and her sister and oh what is going to happen to poor marta who is going to watch out for her oh will it be this character will it be this character you know and, and we just see you know we see the different members of the family who are failing her at every you know, yes. go we can't really count on ransom can we count on ransom we we think we can count on ransom oh he might actually be a good guy but but then we're like we can't count on this detective because this detective is in it for the he's going to solve the murder yeah and then you're right all of a sudden we realize oh we can trust him he is going to be he has marta's interest at heart he is going to solve this he's got Harlan's interest at heart. He's got Marta's interest at heart. He is still going for the truth, and he's not going to be persuaded by anything else. We have to talk about the sweater in the room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 and, and, and that sweater belongs to one Chris Evans. And oh my goodness! Oh, uh, oh Captain America! Oh Captain America! <laughs> like talk about having fun with a role, like. Mm-hmm. Spoilers, the villain of, of the piece, it's ah, the smarminess yeah. of it all, the the confidence, the the charm. You want to like him mm-hmm. and you love to hate him all yeah. at the same time. And it's seeing, you, you know, the whole Captain America thing, this upstanding, you, you know, Boy Scout of a character who's nothing but good. He's the moral standing in all these comic book films and yet in this movie he's the most villainous conniving smarmy lying just terrible character but he's fun to watch yeah yeah and he also you're talking about acting you're talking about an absolute class in acting whereas daniel craig is coming in with this character that is built around this accent i mean we Mm. it is very easy to say that he has built the character around that accent that he is using and he's using that as as the focal point Mm. it is i am not quite sure exactly what chris evans built his character around but because there is there's no real change in his accent there's no real change in how he's talking he is coming in and using the same charm based on his good looks and and how he's able to move in a scene and how he's able to talk the same things that he used to kind of base his character on captain america Mm. you were also still looking at him going it's, he's not portraying Captain America. There is no time at all that you are saying that this is Steve Rogers. This is no. not Steve Rogers. Yeah. And it has everything to do with how he he slumps in the chair instead yes. of sitting up straight. He he has kind of got that wink in his eye for evil, whereas it's not a gleam in his eye for yeah. standing up for morals. And And it's the subtle things that is actually behind what makes an actor an actor. Oh, so that that understanding of the fundamental drive of of the character yeah 
and Ransom and Steve Rogers are driven by completely different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're almost indistinguishable. But yeah, it, as you said, it's those subtle things. It's those little nods and the little winks to the camera that play it, that just... They unsettle you when you when you're watching. It's like yeah, this isn't this isn't your granddad's Captain mm-hmm. America. Yeah, like it's just so amazing what they did. Even in terms of, I think there was definitely probably pointed casting. Like when yes. they were casting it, you could tell that they were going after someone with that standing, someone with that sort of reputation as an actor, someone who the audience would automatically relate to and say, oh well, oh Chris Evans is in this. Oh, everything's going to be fine. And and yet he's the villain, and yet he's he's playing the bad guy. And right from that sort of first moment when the dogs start barking at his character <sighs> when he's getting out of the car, and there's that whole thing with the dogs and the dogs knowing, and you have to trust the dogs. And that's just one of many themes that that are running through this this film. It's all the setup, and so from the dogs barking all the way to the end, it's like, yep, that was always there for us, the audience, to see. And yet there's still that, oh, he's Captain America, can't be all that bad. And yet he is. <laughs> And 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 then you have some other stellar performances. I mean, we've oh. we've talked about the top. Th- we've talked about the top three. You know, Marta yes. Marta carries the movie. You have Daniel Craig, who is the one who solves it. You've got the bad guy being Chris Evans. But then you just have some amazing other performances by Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis. Oh. Uh, just just yes. Jamie Lee Curtis uh, chain smoking her way through <laughs> each scene. <laughs> just uh, Laurie Strode. No, this ain't Laurie Strode. This is this no. is the vindictive the vindictive woman. Mm. You have Don Johnson, who has a stellar year this year. Yes. Just his role in Watchmen his performance in this as kind of an understated role, but at the same time, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Really, everybody who is acting in this, all the characters are just amazing. Yeah. And and there is another another actor. <laughs> it's, it's an actor we should talk about, I guess, but it's not mm-hmm. really an actor. It's actually a place, and that is the house itself. Yes. Um, because the house itself is definitely the stand-in for, you, you know, what is happening and what, and what, the fight is really about the fight yeah. that is occurring is about the property, the estate, uh, and everything that that the family wants. It's the money, but the yeah. money is 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 really represented by this house and by the things within the house: the wheel of knives, the set yes. dressing, the secret passages, the the, the wall that's actually a window. It, it's. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk talk a little bit about that as well. What were your thoughts yeah. on that? Like for a lot of filmmakers, they'll talk about the the set, the setting as being another character in itself, <laughs> and the house, the the style of it, the fact that it's the first thing we see, the way they use it, the way they use the sets, the the way they frame it, the way they frame the characters in in the set. Like there's a beautiful scene. I think this is quite indicative of this of when Marta and Benoit Blanc first meet. And when Marta comes up to the window, and it's a stained glass, oh, it's a patterned window, but it's got the figure of death. Mm-hmm. And then we see Benoit Blanc, because his eye is looking at Marta through the window, but there's death framing the eye. And so it's the little subtle things like that. Like when you see them being interviewed, and there's the wheel of knives, and they're slowly, slowly getting to closer towards the center until Benoit Blanc finally sits down to reveal everything, and the knives are framing him. Mm-hmm. And so they use the set so well, the stairs, the fact that they creak, mm-hmm. the fact that we can hear it. 
uh, as, as an audience, we don't need to be told. We don't need to hold. Uh, the director doesn't need to hold our hands. What it needs to be is a simple creak, and we understand what's going on. The trellises, the windows, the just everything else. It, it all serves the story and and the greater plot. The the imagery, every all the the death and the murder, uh, but the books. It's got the style of the old, you, you know, Victorian manner where you have like the very stereotypical sort of murder mystery so even that is playing into the themes it's playing into everything but the the corridors the shadowness the the bedrooms the fact that all the rooms and stuff are, all have the personality of the people who are, are in them the mm-hmm. parlor setting it's just so well built and so well used mm-hmm. and it's as I was saying earlier, like there's no frame in this that you don't feel was thought out, and they don't like the way that the camera moves and, and pans out, the way they the way they position the actors in, in the scene, all that it all serves just to reinforce what you're watching and reinforce the wonderful acting that is going on and the score and everything else all ties in every part of this film ties in so beautifully to every other part of that and the house is sort of the the cherry on top mm-hmm. that really just completes it and makes everything work yes and i think with without the house without that setting yes it probably would have been a, a good film but it just really just hammers it home it really just cements it all together in, into the final masterpiece that this movie ended up being. And I, I think you also start to look at the use of the words, you're dealing with a character who dies. And yes. and, and we even have, we haven't even been talking about really Harlan that much yet, but <laughs> I mean, he, he's he's the MacGuffin of it. He's he yeah. is the body, just as much the money is. But you're dealing with the words that he uses. I mean, it's all about his book Empire, and he was a writer. Yes. And so with words are very important that are being used because the main word, of course, is knives. I mean, we've already talked yeah. about the yeah. knives that are set, that are set in the in the big setting piece of the Circle of Knives. Uh, Harlan kills murders himself with knives instead of waiting to suffer what he thinks is going to be a slow death with Mm. with the uh the poison that he believes he's ingested you also have the knives that are used for various other times throughout the throughout the uh the film i think at one point in time you know characters are using knives to open up different letters you also have the knives out the fact that the theoretical knives being used by the different yeah. family members of all, going all after the, each other. <laughs> the backstabbing and the everything. backstabbing. It, it's, it's not subtle at all about its uses, but at no. the same time, though, it's playing with it. It's like, oh, yeah. It is. You know, it's, it's, it's having fun with the concept. Right. And it's the yeah. more obvious and over the top it's being with, you know, what you think is going on and what you think is yeah. occurring, the more you're realizing you're missing some of the subtleties that are yeah. actually happening and the actual yeah. murder and and setup that has occurred thanks to Chris what Chris Evan and Ranson has done. Yeah. To add to that point, mm-hmm. there's a line that Harlan says quite early on when he's comparing himself to Ransom and Ransom to himself yeah. and he says, you know, that boy wouldn't know a real knife from a prop knife. Which then comes of course all the way back full <laughs> <Sure>. circle <laughs> to when he tries to kill Marta. Yeah. But it's it's the the prop knife that doesn't actually do anything. And the fact that he kills himself with the with the real knife he's using to to emphasize that, and and so in a way he's sort of saying, well, ransom is the one that has killed me. Mm-hmm. The fact it's the name of the film and all that sort of stuff, they play with it and they exp- 
explore the concept of, well, what can we do with knives? We've got the film called Knives Out. Let's see what's everything that we can do with a knife in this movie, which is why, you know, it's, it's all Chekhov's knives. <laughs> and yeah, but like they will do that so much with all the other concepts in the film. Like this is a very, very well-constructed, well-thought-out script. Yes. There's metaphors, there's imagery, there's what's going on on screen, there's the deeper layer, and then there's deeper layers on top of that. Even the the style of filmmaking, they play with genre yes. really well. Like it'll go from murder mystery, and then at certain points it'll be a horror. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, there, there's, there's like one... There's like I think just one scene that's actually a horror scene, and that's yes. when they're in the laundry. But you're right. Yeah. I mean that they've got the horror scene there. You've got uh, comedy. You've got yeah. the murder mystery. You've got uh, you were mentioning a couple times. There's a bit of the film noir that aspect yes. that occurs as well. Yeah. You you could even say there's a small bit of romance that even tries to occur just with a, a, yeah, just a little bit yeah. with with Chris Evans trying to woo Marta just a little bit. It's all well balanced though like you, you could a lot of um reviewers and, and critics and things they'll talk about whiplash in films they'll talk about films not having an identity they'll talk about how the genres don't blend well but this i think is the exception that proves the rule this is saying you can have a murder mystery with comedy elements mm-hmm. with horror elements with romance elements with adventure elements you, you know you can have you can blend these things all together but it's still very focused it, it's still at no point loses the plot it's still at no point are you lost everything is so constructed and everything is so deliberate in in a way that as an audience you never feel that the director doesn't know exactly what he's doing yeah and every scene is just lovingly presented to you being like this this is a beautiful feast that i, I want you to enjoy and <laughs> And you do, yeah. And you do, and you and you love it, and you love it immensely. Even even the fact that in the beginning of the film, with Marta being the maid, and there's that whole sort of racial element mm-hmm. there as well, where nobody knows where she's from, or they all think they know where she's uh-huh. from, but it's never actually revealed because ultimately that doesn't matter because she's a character in her own right, and we're not judging her by her location. And and she and she doesn't even correct them because she knows she knows a couple of things. One, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. it, it's not going to matter to them, and it's not going to matter to to me in my situation. It yeah. just is going. Uh, they aren't going to remember even if I've told them because no. I probably have told them enough times. Yeah, there's <laughs> that whole. You're like a daughter. You're part of the family, and then as soon as she inherits, because spoiler, she inherits everything. Then it's that. Well, she's got to give it up she's got to whatever she's not real family blah 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 and so there's that shift in, in dialect in, in dialogue there's the the fact that the characters at the beginning that make an explicit point to say that we're going to look after you you're going to be looked after mm-hmm. and then as soon as she inherits it's the, those characters that are the ones that are telling her to denounce <laughs> they're the ones that are telling her to give up the inheritance and there's just the beautiful sort of back and forth sort of mirror imagery of, of these scenes once again everything's set up and then it all pays off right at the end let me ask you one little last question here and, and that is mm-hmm. is there anything that you didn't like about the movie is there any low point that you had or any part that you thought that the movie ah you know it suffered from this little thing no i i <laughs> watched this movie three times i watched it once through to get the first impression mm-hmm. and then i watched it twice through stopping and starting to make sure I'd gotten everything to get all the the 
notes to make sure that I actually understood it. Mm-hmm. And there was no point really where I wasn't enjoying myself. There was no point where I would have done anything differently. There's no point that I wanted to skip over. Mm-hmm. Every second of it was as good as every other second. It was just, I'm, I'm racking my brain to find something <laughs> I didn't like. That's perfectly fine. You don't have to. A couple of little points that I think I have on it, and not, not negative points, but... No, no, um, and, and uh, fair enough. Like, yeah. everyone's different. Oh, yeah, sure, 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 sure. things differently. Yeah. Um, I, I think that this movie is is an interesting movie that it is a murder mystery that even knowing, and I think you said this at the beginning, even knowing the answer and what exactly caused it to occur, it doesn't really detract from the movie and it doesn't change the movie. I know that there are certain movies that once you find out the answer to the movie, you're like, okay, the movie is completely different the next time around. I mean, you can definitely look at a few characters, especially uh, Chris Evans' character, Ransom, how he actually, you know, sits in a scene differently, but Mm. it doesn't change the movie necessarily. No. The other kind of interesting question I have about the movie is, I wonder how timeless this movie will be. I wonder if this will be a movie that can be watched and kind of enjoyed for a timeless piece of it. I think that there are a couple of very pointed political pieces that are in there. Oh, but, definitely, yes. But I don't know, if, I, I'm not going to say that's a detraction from the film or, or it's something that we really need to talk about too much. It's just I, I'm curious to see if this movie is going to age well. I hope it does, and I think it will. I think it will. I think that that the pieces in there that are pointed for today are still things that I think will be talked about or will be thought about and aren't going to detract from the movie. And if nothing else, it, just, it still will have a somewhat timeless element to it. Yeah. Think like all films age. Yeah. Even the most timeless of, of films, you still have to view them understanding the era that they were sure, made. Sure. I think this one will last. I yeah. think that because it's a an original idea, it's it pays homage to a lot of other films and novels and things like that in the genre. So when you're looking at murder mystery, if you enjoy murder mystery, if you enjoy these sort of plots, you will like this film. So if you've, uh, you, you know, grown up watching, you know, things like Miss Marple, things like Midsummer Murders, things like even Sherlock Holmes and stuff to, to a degree, if you like that sort of style of story, this will always resonate with that. And so I think from that perspective, this will hopefully yeah. have a have a place among the murder mystery genre, especially just for what it does, subverting the genre yes. and the little winks and nudges to the genre that it lovingly gives. So I think from that perspective, it's going to last for a, for a while. Even if you don't enjoy that sort of aspects, it's not inaccessible. Yes. There's still plenty enough there that even if you've never seen a murder mystery before, you'll still enjoy it. You'll still have fun watching it because i think ultimately why i think this film will last is the fact it's just it's fun yes it's it's a joyful film that everybody making it i from my perspective it it feels like they had fun making it it feels like it was fun to write it feels like it was fun to act it feels like it was fun to edit and it was fun to watch and i think from from that alone will mean that like probably 10 years from now I'll watch this film again and still enjoy it. 20 years, I'll still enjoy it. 30 years, I'll still enjoy it. I agree with you. And this is going to be very much a, we already know the answer to this question. But (laughs) I have to ask this question because it's part of my script. But how many full bags of popcorn would you give this film? (laughs) Um, 
my my initial thought was one, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. but no, I think I'm, I'm five, four, yeah. five, yeah, five. This- if I could do it higher, it would, but it just there was nothing about this film I didn't like. I enjoyed every minute of it. It made me think about filmmaking and acting differently, which is always good. It was refreshing in in terms of being original. It gave the actors scenery to chew on it was phenomenal on every level i that does my heart good because i i give this a strong five too i have recommended this film to multiple people saying you should watch this you should sit down give it your time give it your money give it whatever you possibly can because it is a pleasure and a treat to watch just like you are a pleasure and a treat to talk to (laughs) Thank you. And before we get out of this lovely attic, I want you to have an opportunity to tell the folks where they can find you if they want to hear your dulcet tone some more. <laughs> well, if people search online for Waffles and Mario Talk About Things, that's my podcast where we do around half an hour of improvised nonsense every week. Uh, we're on Twitter at Waffles underscore Mario uh, where you can interact with us and if you go to www.necropodicon.com, you'll find a link to a Discord, which we also inhabit, and you can find us there and chat with us as well, because we are part of the Necropodicon network, which also has other good shows you can check out as well. Thank you very much, and I I get a kick out of listening to his uh, <laughs> half-hour craziness myself. Please check it out. Thank you so much. I would also like to tell you that you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Rick Present or on my other podcast, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, which I host with my buddy Jeff, who also wears knit sweaters, but will never look as good in them as Chris Evans does, uh, no matter how hard he tries. But I would like to thank the Longbox Crusade Network for letting me use this attic of their headquarters to broadcast the show and to their sponsor, Omaha Bound. Also, to the Longbox Crusade members who help support this network, if you would like to support it, please head over to Patreon and search for a Longbox Crusade. Waffles, thank you very much for taking the time to come and visit with me from all the way across the ocean down in New Zealand. It, it has been an absolute pleasure, and I wouldn't have missed this for the world. Until next time, go ahead and grab the popcorn and pull up a seat for whatever our next episode will be. Our theme music is The Entertainer by Kevin McLeod at Competech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license.